usually the biological parent is their quote unquote safest person because, Mm -hmm. well, you created me, you brought me into this world. I can cuss you out and you're still going to love me. Exactly. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, David? Not much, uh, except coming up on the big 5-0. What? Not talking about Hawaii either. What are you talking about? I got a birthday coming up. What you want for your birthday? <laughs> I want everybody to get something for my birthday. I don't know what that is yet. <laughs> hmm. But I don't want people to give me stuff. I want to give to other people. So you're going to be a half a century old. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. And how old were you when I met you? 45. No. 28. No. 30-something. Five? Six? I seven. don't know. <laughs> Somewhere around there. <laughs> yep. Wow. I know. Getting on up there. Mm-hmm. But as I like to say, I'm in my prime. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah. And he's having a midlife crisis. I am not having a midlife crisis. I told you, you are my midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> well, this Jeep that he has is his close to death crisis then. No, look, it's. It's not even like, so midlife crisis, people go out and like buy something crazy. They go out and buy something like a Corvette, a yacht, a, I don't know, name something. They go out and get a girlfriend they don't tell their wife about or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but this is like an old ragged out Jeep. It's it's not a midlife crisis. Matter of fact, what it is, you and I have talked for years. When I got rid of my Harley Davidson motorcycle, which was a sad day in my life. That was, was part of our wedding vows. I was going. I know. It was the only reason you really wanted to even marry me was to ride on the Harley because that was a bad Harley. It was, and ever since we got rid of that, because it almost killed me. Yeah. Um, we talked about getting something with four wheels. <laughs> <laughs> that we could ride around during the summer and spring and fall. Cause around here you can do everything like three seasons out of the year. And so we looked at dune buggies, which um, Lori says, I look like the great ape when I'm in a dune buggy. For those of you that don't know what I'm referencing. Yeah. You have to, you have to be somebody who looked at cartoons back in probably the late seventies. <laughs> Grape ape show. Well, they had like a... Uh, well, how do I even remember this? Because this is amazing. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The Great Grape Ape Show is an American animated television series produced by Hanna-Barbera Productions and broadcast on ABC from September 6th to December 13th, 1975. ABC continued to air it in reruns until 1978. So I was four. Yeah, I remember it. But I remember it. But you're older than me. Yeah, but here's where I remember it. Like I don't remember that specific cartoon. I remember, I remember him being part of this group. They were would ride around in this Volkswagen van, and he stuck out the top of it or rode on the top. Yeah, and they were racing other people or something. 
So it was, it was in, in conjunction with that. But anyway. So the grape ape is huge. And, and so apparently me riding in a dune buggy looks like him sticking out of the top of this Volkswagen van. Yeah. Especially one of those girly type dune buggies. You know what I'm talking about? The ones that look like a ladybug or something. Yeah. No, that's not what I wanted. I wanted like a rail. I wanted like a rail buggy. Yeah. But those are hard to find unless you're really wanting to drop down some major cash. Well, I saw one I passed the other day and I was like, ooh. I know, but those are like well, twenty thousand dollars. It's not really the Jeep. <laughs> it's the stickers. But I have a story behind that. On the Jeep and the other accessories you intend to add. <laughs> Which I've already ordered. Okay. So the Jeep is is green, but it is unlike any Jeep you've ever seen. <laughs> First of all, it's um, it looks mean. Yes, it's, it's very mean looking. It sits way up off the ground. It's got like 37-inch tires. And the paint is actually a monster liner, which is like rhino liner. So it's not like regular paint. It's that, that scratchless kind of bumpy, you know, rhino liner paint that you would put like in the bed of a truck. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. But it looks really cool. So when I got it, I was like, I want to put some something on it to make it unique. And and I looked at stickers and stuff. And a lot of people have the stars on it. And they have other Jeep stickers that are fairly common. So obviously, me, I don't want to be common. I don't want to pass myself on the road. Oh, you won't. My other vehicle is a white Jeep Grand Cherokee. And there's like half a million of them in a quarter mile radius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was like, I want something that's unique. And so I found the perfect stickers for this Jeep that looks mean and it's big and it's tall. And it's got this green paint job that makes it look kind of militaristic, you know, end of the world. It reminds me of MASH. Yeah. And it is so tall, I really need a stool <laughs> to get in and out of it. It is quite a sight, is all I will say. But it just reminded me of something you would ride around in in like the apocalypse. And so mm. I got these stickers on the side of it that say <laughs> zombie apocalypse response vehicle. Yes. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Zombie outbreak. That's what it says. Zombie oh. outbreak response vehicle. Some of them say zombie outbreak response team or zombie response team. So they're, they're different ones, but it looks at a glance, you're looking at it and it looks like, you know, the game warden or something because it's got this official the game warden for zombies. <laughs> yeah. It's got this like seal on the door, which looks like some type of official badge seal of something. Well, what's funny is we'll show or he'll show people pictures of it and the women or ladies are like, huh? <laughs> and the men are like, man, that's so bad. I want to be like you when I grow up. It, and I'm like, is, Lord, help. That is true. It is very amazing. The very polar opposite views you get on it. And every guy that sees it yesterday, this guy comes out to the house to help Jackson with something. And he's what? Early thirties, mm-hmm. early thirties. He's looked at it and that's, he's all I can talk about. Dude, this thing's bad. It's awesome. Blah, blah. <laughs> And I'm just shaking my head. But you have, we were, we were 
uh, with a group of friends a couple of weeks ago, there was probably four or five couples there. And I showed it to everybody and all the women were like, oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and all the men were like, that's a, that's awesome. I want to go riding in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. But um, the accessory that she is most not thrilled with. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> this is the kind of Jeep that you have to drive it. Like there's no relaxation and it's a straight drive. Yeah, or a manual for you. Folks. Or a manual, <laughs> which means you have to shift gears, match the clutch. So when we picked it up, he drove it halfway home and I drove it the other half. I had to drive that thing like I stole it. <laughs> yeah, you had to. Because I'm sure. if you're in fifth gear, you don't accelerate at all if you mash the gas. It's just, I guess, geared low it's or whatever. It's geared really low. Yeah, it's geared really low. It, I think it'll pull a house off the foundation, but it yeah. ain't fast. So you're sitting at stoplights and people are already staring at you because this thing's an atrocity (laughs) and it's loud. And then you have to drive it like you stole it. So when you go to leave the stoplight, unless you want it to cut off or burn the clutch up or whatever, you have to get that timing just right. And that front end raises up about six inches. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) So people stare at you already, and I don't like that. <laughs> and I can't hide because there's no doors. You you can hide. Nobody can see you because you're too high off the ground. Oh yeah, right. All right. So so I got this Jeep. It's the Zombie Outbreak Response Team Jeep. I found all these cool stickers for it. Like I've got a sticker on the front windshield that has our state on it, and it's the state official license for zombie hunting. <laughs> So I stuck it on there. And then on the back of it, there's a thing that says zombie outbreak canine unit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I stuck it on there. Because we do take the dog riding in it. We do. But I didn't think that was enough. Of course not. I thought it needed something else. Of course it did. Because if you're. It's it's not big enough saying, look at me, look at me. You know, other than having a horn that says, look at me. The only other thing you could do was. Well, if you're riding around and, and you're and you're doing zombie response type stuff, what do you think that you would need? Water. Water? Yeah. Why? Because you're going to get thirsty. Okay. That's not what I was thinking. What I was thinking is you got to have something to fight the zombies with. Snacks, because you're going to get hungry. So I found a replica, you know, not made of real anything. It's fake, but it looks real. A replica 50 caliber machine gun to mount on the top of the Jeep. Lord Jesus, help me. <laughs> Just like the ones that were mounted on Jeeps in World War II. Oh, but wait, there's more. There is? What's more? The ammunition. Oh, well, that yeah, that's just for effect. So I found this these fake ammunition, so you can basically have bullets hanging out the side of the machine gun to make it look even more real. So not only are you riding around in the most awesome zombie response vehicle, but it looks like you are ready for the World War Z. <laughs> and you don't think you're going to get pulled over for that? I'm sure I will. They got to catch me first. Well, you used to be a cop, so they don't make you as nervous as they make me. <laughs> I'd be all paranoid. be like, no, I'm going to get pulled over. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So, no, I don't think this is a midlife crisis. It's kind of, look, you go and you spend money on. Uh, we are not talking about this. <laughs> 
I didn't say anything about you spending money mm-hmm. on your end of life crisis. <laughs> all I, wanted, I said was that you got this. That's I got, all. I got it for you. Bull malarkey. And the dog. Actually, <laughs> the dog really thinks it's her truck, her vehicle. Yeah. Like, really. No kidding. Yeah. If anybody leaves in it, she cries hysterically. <laughs> but anyway, this it's not my midlife crisis. If I were going to do a midlife crisis, it would be something much better than that. It's it's my replacement for the Harley, and it's something we can ride around in with top down and um, have fun. <laughs> yeah. And I will not pass myself on the road no matter where I am. No, you will not. <laughs> but I will say that before you leave, you know, take the vehicle and drive off, whoever your passengers are, you should give them an announcement like they do at the amusement parks. If you have heart problems, neck problems, <laughs> back problems, blah, 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 you may not want to ride this. I'll tell you what, if you if you send us an email when I get the Jeep finished, put the gun on it, I'll send you a picture. I think you should have made a nacho kid's Jeep, but no. Why would I would do that? Yeah. All right. Like no, that's, that's not going to get any, <laughs> any views. That's enough with the Jeep. Okay. Okay. All right. So who uh, are we talking to today? Oh, by the way. <laughs> By the way, uh, again, birthday is 13th of August, Friday. Yes, the 13th. What, what? Favorite day. Um, so there you go. If you want to know. Turning 50, Friday 13th. We'll August. remind you again on Friday the 13th. Because I'll probably forget by the end that I've told you the first time. Yes, you will. <laughs> All right. So who we got for today? <laughs> so today we have Rebecca. Rebecca has been a guest on our podcast. She was actually... Our first guest. Huh? Yeah. The first episode was us talking about the Academy, and the second episode was Rebecca. No kidding. No kidding. So she came back. What? She did. 112 episodes later, she is back. Wow. She is here to talk about ODD. Huh. And she taught me some stuff. Is that why you say I'm ODD now? Yes. It's her fault. Yes. Hmm. Because you're a button pusher. Thanks a lot. But it's very interesting because we hear a lot about ADHD, ODD, and RAD, especially in step families. And I had never really heard of ODD. And when you hear the name of it, oppositional defiant disorder, I'm thinking, heck, I had that. <laughs> I mean, That's every I, I'm the rebel child. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great to get a clearer view of what ODD really is and what you can expect. Yeah. I agree. No, I don't agree because I'm ODD. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will go ahead and add, she's been blending for 17 years. She has a stepson 19 and a stepson 21. Wow. And she is a behavior analyst. That is how she knows so much about ODD. That's got to be helpful. Mm -hmm. I'm a behavior analyst as well. You're everything. You're everything everybody could ever want to be. (laughs) okay let's wrap this up i'm feeling nauseous Uh, wrong podcast for that Uh. (laughs) (laughs) all right wrap it up david all right well here's a word so long about it well you monopolize all the time sorry what all right so this is your word about them you're still talking when are you gonna stop talking right now yeah odd not showing you see (laughs) so here's a word about the nacho kids academy 
There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have stepmom Rebecca. Hey, Rebecca, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, this is not your first time being a guest on our podcast. It's not. I am a repeat offender. So <laughs> back, back in I go. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk to you about oppositional defiant disorder or ODD. Yes. Um, it's super fun. And I mean that in the most sarcastic of ways because it's about the least fun thing ever. And it looks like there's a lot of people who have stepkids such as myself who also have the oppositional defiant disorder. Pretend that we know nothing, okay? Okay. Start from the bottom level and tell us what it means, some examples of it, signs of it, all that happy stuff. You're going to be our WebMD for ODD. <laughs> I am your WebMD, and I'll tell you why, because before I even, like, I'll preface this by, um, for those who don't really know me or who I am or what I do, I'm a behavior analyst. So I work, I actually work with kids who have special needs and who have things like ODD and autism, ADHD, things like that. So I do have actually a couple of kids I work with who have ODD in addition to my stepchild having it. So I'll give you the, um, I'll give you like the baseline of what I kind of tell parents and people who I start working with. It can be a little confusing because a lot of kids are defiant, like almost 100% in some way or another. So everyone sort of wants to just brush it off as like, oh, it's just regular defiance. I mean, I tell the first thing I say when I tell people about ODD, because a lot of people have never really heard about it, it's mm -hmm. still fairly, it's still kind of a fairly new diagnosis. I think it's only been around for maybe, I mean, my stepkid got diagnosed in third grade. So he was like eight and he's, he'll be 22 this summer. Okay. So this is how long, and then I think it only existed a little while before that. I know that there are some people in the group who have ODD diagnoses as well. Um, so it's been around at least for my generation, I guess our generation, because we're probably relatively similar in age. But I had never heard of it until my stepchild was diagnosed. So I did all the research. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so basically, the diagnostic criteria that you have to meet in order to get a diagnosis of ODD is it's like a defiant child on steroids, basically. They're always or frequently angry or irritable. They lose their temper a lot. Like every little thing kind of sets them off. They're very touchy, argumentative, and defiant behavior. So it just argues with everybody, especially authority figures, which can be just, if you have a child, it's just adults. I mean, like any adult, they might argue with especially ones they see as authority figures, mm -hmm. parents, for instance, <laughs> mm -hmm. very like actively defiant. Like you tell them to do something and it's not only no, but it's absolutely not. They'll argue with you. They'll come up with 80 different excuses as to why they're not going to do it. They'll probably fight. There might be screaming. Everyone's losing their tempers. Not Don't tend to be too great at following rules. They deliberately annoy other people. That's like a biggie. Oh, so wait a minute. 
Do you think David might have ODD since he's a button pusher? <laughs> you know what? That's a good question, Lori. Now, I don't live at your house, so I can't honestly say, but I'll believe whatever you say. <laughs> You're here and David's not. So. Yeah. <laughs> good timing, huh? <laughs> I'm going to go downstairs and be like, you have ODD. He'll be like, no, I don't. And then he'll start fighting with you about it. And you'll be like, argument made. Yeah. Oh, this is going to be so much fun. Oh, I I can't wait to hear about this. (laughs) (laughs) And then they're also kind of vindictive sometimes. They might be spiteful. And the biggie, 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 especially in my house. Nobody loves being held accountable for the things they do wrong. It's like unpleasant, but it's to the point where blaming others for his or her mistake or misbehavior is super phone deep. Mm -hmm. There is just almost no accountability. You can point it out like 80 different times, but it's just, I mean, we all kind of understand that it's easier to blame other people for our problems or for the thing, our mistakes or, right. but I mean, it it kind of takes on a whole new life. (laughs) And that's definitely been the case personally here at this house where there is certainly not only no accountability, but there were a lot of people in his life who enabled him and to continue to enable him to be thinking that nothing he ever does is his fault. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that one's, that one's hard to get used to. But also there has to be, this has to last at least six months, it has to happen with individuals who are not their siblings, because we all know how siblings get. Mm-hmm. Age-wise, Usually it's diagnosed about early childhood, which is tough because three to five-year-olds are a hot mess. All they do is fight with you because that's just what the age is. But it's excessive. Mm -hmm. It has to be most days. And with five and over, it has to happen at least once a week. And then there are different levels. There's like mild, moderate, and severe. Mild would be something like it only happens at home with like maybe the parent Mm -hmm. or the parents or grandparents. Moderate would be, it happens in more than one setting. So it could be home and school and across like multiple people. And then severe would be basically pretty much everywhere with almost everyone. And like with your more severe cases that are bordering on conduct disorder, which is when things get really live, Mm -hmm. it's pretty much just all the time. So yeah, it's not super fun. It's not really super fun. And I'm glad that you have given us so much detail because when you started off talking about some of the symptoms, I'm like, oh my God, I had ODD as a kid. <laughs> I literally every day think that I have it sometimes because I look back at my own childhood and like I I very well might have had like maybe a milder case because I used to give my parents, I often joke that I'm surprised my parents had more kids after me because I was just rough mm-hmm. from birth through seven years old. And all my siblings, except for one, are within two years of each other. So by the time I hit nine and my baby brother was born, I was like the third adult in the house. But my parents also worked really hard with me. I was a spirited child, Lori. (laughs) Well, and that's what I'm thinking, too, because my son fits some of this criteria. He will argue Mm -hmm. with me all day long about something, but he doesn't do it with David. Yes. And sometimes, depending on what happens, all kids... I would wager 99.9% of children argue with their parents, especially their biological parents, because they're sort of that, well, they're usually the biological parent is their quote unquote safest person because, Mm -hmm. well, 
you created me, you brought me into this world. I can cuss you out and you're still going to love me. Exactly. But with everybody else, Ooh, they're not obligated at all. I'm going to just be on my best behavior. And with ODD, that just isn't always the case. I'll tell you how we found out that he even had it. Mm -hmm. So I kind of came in, um, I was 25 when I met my husband. I'm 42 now. So that just goes to show how long this has been going on. (laughs) And that you can survive it because I did. Right. Um, I, I just don't play. I have next to no patience for kids who are like back talkers and who just are very defiant. So of course I was gifted with this <laughs> child with ODD. I'm like, oh! every day I just had, I have to like wear a bite plate because I grind my teeth so much, <laughs> but it's fine. It's just fine. I, I do it in my sleep even. I do too. Yep. He may have started out a little bit on the moderate and he was never mild. I mean, I've known this kid since he was not quite five years old. So we're kind of in that initial period where it's, all right, is this just typical five-year-old behavior or is this that kid? Mm-hmm. I'd already been working with kids forever by the time I met my husband since I was, I mean, if you count babysitting since I was 12, Okay, which is one, which is one reason I didn't want to have kids. But <laughs> coming in, I, I always kind of sense there's something going on with this kid and I didn't know what. So his third grade teacher finally called my husband and his ex-wife in and they're like, look, He's disrupting class. We're giving him task demands and he's crawling under the table and he's crying all the time and he's having fits and it's just really disruptive. So we highly recommend that you go get him tested for ADHD. So I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't go because I'm not the mom. Mm -hmm. That was just up to them. But he reported back to me. So they went and they had him tested. And yes, in fact, he did um, come back with ADHD, which um, oppositional defiant disorder a lot of times is comorbid with ADHD and autism Mm -hmm. and anxiety, things like that. So it often doesn't really exist on its own. So he got the double diagnosis and my husband has oppositional defiant disorder. What do you know about that? Nothing. And I work with kids with special needs. So (laughs) Mm -hmm. I work with neurodivergent children and I've never heard of this before. I went just out of curiosity and sort of for their benefit, because this was back before I nachos where I was in the business. And I'm like, oh, well, I can handle this because I'm a special educator and all this. I'm deep into behavioral stuff and it's just always been my thing. So Mm -hmm. mostly mostly out of curiosity and somewhat to kind of shed some light for my husband, his ex-wife, I knew probably wasn't going to listen to me, but that's okay. I was like, all right, here's what it is. And uh, he, he checks every box and some boxes he checks twice. All right, cool, 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 cool. So we know what it is. So that means that you can do something about it, right? Mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not really. Not really. So, all right. And actually, one of the reasons that I even started not showing in the first place is because this behavior was getting so cray cray that it's just either I have to completely step back or else it's just going to be nothing but fights. Mm-hmm. Nothing but fights. And the whole don't have negative, you know, interactions with your stepkids and don't say negative things about the out the window. Mm-hmm. I had nothing positive to say about him and I had no positive interactions with him at all. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, I don't. Don't know that I'll ever unnacko him. Yeah, but luckily my husband's cool with it. So yeah, that's important. I have that advantage. <laughs> mhm. Mhm. Well, still not having the most positive feelings, but. <laughs> 
but at least I can be neutral. Right. That's what I was going to say is there's a difference between being rude and neutral and nacho is being neutral. Exactly. And being mean is just being rude. Right. So it was getting to the point where I was sort of, I, I'm getting out and out mean to the point where I'm not liking this at all. I don't, I don't really like myself that well for mm-hmm. the way that I'm reacting to this child. And kind of knowing a little bit about oppositional defiance sort of from the research. And now since I've had them, you know, I've had kids with ODD as clients and I have some, you know, the, the peer-reviewed journal research sort of go into how to treat it, which it's difficult. It's, it's not easy to treat. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's kind of, um, it's kind of, it's kind of specific. There's actually a flow chart. I saw a flow chart. <laughs> <laughs> one of the, in one of the peer reviewed journal articles about like how to handle in applied behavior analysis, how to handle defiance in a child like this. And the flow chart itself is pretty long. You have to actually break it up and teach it in separate segments. Because mm-hmm. if you try and teach it all at once, it's, you just get lost. Right. So it's not super easy to treat. So for the bio parents, who have kids with ODD who are actually trying to get it treated, it's good for you because it's not easy and stick with it. Just know that I personally appreciate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for the step parents who maybe have are married or with the person who has the ODD child and is getting treated, just go along with their eyes because they're trying and it's very difficult. And especially initially, because sometimes the behavior will get worse before it gets better. So it's tough, but hang in there. And for those who don't, just really step back. (laughs) Yeah. Are there certain things that have been tied to causing children to have ODD? Some kind of trauma or? Yes. So they really, I mean, it's still kind of so new that they don't know they being, I guess, the medical professional. I'm not a medical professional, just putting it out there. I never went to med school. Mm -hmm. But what the experts are saying, and they still don't know 100%, but usually what it can pretty much, I'm just going by what I saw in the Cleveland Clinic, Mm -hmm. which is that's a pretty good source. It sort of has this biological, genetic, and environmental mashup, like most things do. If you're a human being, you have biological stuff, you've got genetic stuff, and you've got environmental stuff Mm -hmm. that are going to contribute. In this case, it's biological in the sense that there might be possible, and they're just putting it out there in this language, like possibly, maybe, could be, because no one knows 100% for sure, but there might be some sort of injuries or defects in certain parts of the brain or chemical imbalances, which is why they tend to be comorbid with ADHD, depression, anxiety, things like that, because mm-hmm. chemical imbalance. And then the genetic component is they might have a family history with maybe some mental health issues, or maybe somebody has a personality disorder. A lot of times kids who grow up with not every time, but sometimes um, a kid who grows up with ODD might catch as an adult, a diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. I'm glad you said that because when I was writing down the symptoms, I'm like, a lot of those are similar to narcissistic people. Yes. Yeah. And there's like a health cluster B um, personality disorder checklist that would be narcissistic and then antisocial personality disorder and histrionic personality disorder. My stepchild, personally, I think he moved from moderate to severe Mm -hmm. um, throughout because he was never really properly treated. Obviously, I had no control over that. And I didn't want control over it because it would have killed me. I would have probably been taking so many medications. I mean, like if you need to, you should, you know, take, I'm not 
dogging on people who take medication at all because right. it does save lives and it can have like a really positive effect. But like for me personally, it would have driven me so crazy. My marriage would not have survived if I'd have tried. And that's just fact. I'm not, I'm not being histrionic, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I would have had a nervous breakdown, repeated nervous breakdown. But he checks almost every box for all three of the cluster B personality mm-hmm. disorders now as an almost 22 year old. Whether he ever gets diagnosed with it or not, I don't know. He's a grown-up. Nobody can control him except the law, which, you know, <laughs> clearly he's clearly he's hanging out with the law right now. And will be, and he's, he's currently hanging out with the law. Um, and then, like, the, envir- the environmental factors could be things like, so I'm just quoting the Cleveland Clinic, chaotic family life, inconsistent discipline by parents, which is obviously, like, the big neon sign. Because the one thing with ODD is, like, discipline and consistency are pretty key, or just consequences. Mm-hmm. Discipline, yes. Consequences, they can be good or bad. The consequence of studying for a test is that you probably will do really well, for example. Mm-hmm. Consequences are not always bad. I'm a big fan of natural consequences. So, and it works for me. I mean, if you're rude to me, I'm going to walk away from you. Right. So, if you're yelling at me and calling me a bee, which did happen one time only, and I was like, okay, if you want to see a bee, I'll show you a bee. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> My presence is fueling this fire, so I need to walk away now before I lose my mind, say something that I'll probably regret, mm-hmm. um, but that will be very true, and then it'll just make a bad situation so much worse by me saying anything. <laughs> right. But he got the point that if I if he started up with me, I was just going to walk away, and I wasn't going to talk to him. It takes their power away. Exactly. And that's your power is taking, is taking yourself out of it mm-hmm. and not letting them see that they're getting to you, which, you know, another thing about ODD, and especially it's true with my personal stepchild, is that he really kind of got to know what everyone's buttons were and would push the buttons times 100. Mm -hmm. So he knew uh, before I started Nacho, he knew that for me personally, I do not, ooh, disrespectful children. mm -mm. Mm -hmm. You can argue with me. I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's you argue in the sense of like a debate. Yes. Like debate. Mm -hmm. You can debate with me all day. That's fine. In fact, I like it because it shows me that you have some critical thinking skills or not, or that you need to learn (laughs) (laughs) or you need to, right. But just arguing for arguing sake, back talking. That was a big one for me. Just rude. So rude. So he's still so rude, but he knew those were my buttons. Mm-hmm. Um, so before I really kind of implemented the whole, nope, I'm taking back my power in this situation and walking away from you and I'm not going to talk to you. It was just arguing and all it was doing was fueling, fueling, fueling. It never would end. Mm-hmm. until one of us walked away. Right. And it was usually before Nacho, don't do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you're the step, don't, don't do this. That would be me putting him in his room, closing the door, holding the door shut until it was all like simmered down. You as the step parent cannot do this. <laughs> right. Yes. You cannot do it. Don't. Because that's when things can, can really go from bad to worse. Mm-hmm. He also, almost everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. Still to this day, he's very manipulative. He'll say whatever he thinks can get him what he wants. I do not fall for it. He knows this, so he doesn't try it with me because I've established, no, you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. My husband has now learned this. It took him a whole lot longer than it took me because <laughs> he's the bio parent. And I know like, 
people don't really want to imagine that their own children could be this way. But he was in denial for a really long time. My in-laws still totally in denial. They believe everything he says, no matter how outlandish it is. But it can be dangerous for a step-parent to be doing the disciplining or even if you think it's just standing up for your spouse, right? they might very well go home and work back to the other parent or whatever if they happen to. We had every other weekend. So we, we weren't the custodial parents, but I knew he was going to go back to his mom and he was going to tell her that I had done something awful to him and that she was going to have a fit thinking that I had done this awful thing to her child mm-hmm. and then Child Protective Services was going to get involved and I was not going to risk my career. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's, you just got to, the best thing to do is really just as the step who has no obligation to discipline these children, just walk away. Yes. Please, for your own personal safety. (laughs) And when you're saying that, just to clarify, you're not talking about walk away from your marriage. You're talking about walking away from the conflict with the stepkid. Yes. Yes. Just situationally walk away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that might mean I spent a lot of time in my bedroom. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Me and the TV got to be really good friends. Um, I actually... So drastic. I actually took up triathlon to get out of the house sometimes <laughs> because I'm. Oh, you know what? I have to go do a five k now, and that puts me out of the house for like forty five minutes because I'm I'm not the fastest runner. Or I'm like, All right, I gotta go get on my bike. <laughs> <laughs> And I just spend hours away from the house. That's awesome that you did that, though. I mean, because you could have chose to go hang out at the bar instead. Exactly. Well, and that's what I was kind of, I do have some addiction running in my family. If I medicate this with alcohol, because I don't really touch drugs. Mm -hmm. I mean, pot's legal in Colorado where I live. Maybe I might have done an edible or two. but (laughs) (laughs) Just maybe. Just maybe. I like my gummies. But the sweet and sour, the sour ones are good. Um, and maybe there's like a lot, there might be a lot of CBD involved. <laughs> but I'm like, if I start drinking to to get through this, I'm going to be drunk constantly. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to constantly be drunk because that's every, and I'm lucky it was only every other weekend. It was hard enough to deal with every other weekend with knowing what I knew. Right. There's standing that he couldn't help it. Him having ODD wasn't his fault. Right. But a lot of parents or even step parents that don't understand this will say he can stop it. He can quit acting like this. Right. And no, (laughs) no, it's just, I mean, it's a diagnosis, you know, it's like being diagnosed with type one diabetes Mm -hmm. or being diagnosed with, you know, my brother has a degenerative eye disorder. And so he's legally blind. They can't really help it. Right. And yes, it can be treated and treatment is difficult, but it does happen. And Usually the best outcomes involve, all right, they can, they can be in society. They have the tools. I mean, there's plenty of people who have been diagnosed with ODD who did get treatment. Um, I know I saw somebody mention on one post I saw about having it and being treated with cognitive behavior therapy. It takes a little bit longer to sort of dig down and pull up those tools that they learn that maybe come naturally to the rest of us mm-hmm. um, or that we've learned as children and that, you know, like it would just be like a normal way to teach your kids. Okay. You know, here's these manners and we do this and we think about other people and right. It's taught in a little bit different way. I just deal with the behavior end of it. I try to kind of get into the, and it sucks to say, but (laughs) sometimes, all right. I mean, if you want the thing, you have to do the thing. So here's what's in it for you. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is just this thing. And you can either I mean, this is just how I deal with my clients and 
if I had had, if my stepchild had been my bio, I probably would have said the same. Like, all you have to do is in this exact neutral tone, because I don't want to be emotional about it, mm-hmm. because then it turns into a tinderbox type situation, right? Where everyone gets really escalated, whereas just the child might be escalated at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you can either choose to fight me on it, and I'm still going to make you do it, or you could just do it really quick, get the thing super fast, and boom, that's what's in it for you. You get the thing you want faster. Mm-hmm. The whole like take your battles thing is super important because with a kid with ODD, especially if you don't have to take that battle, do not pick it. Mm-hmm. Just don't because it's practically guaranteed to turn into a conflict. If it's not super important to you, that little Jimmy Jack or whoever puts his shoes in the mudroom when they come home and you say, okay, um, don't forget to put your shoes in the mudroom and you have to you know, think about, is that something that you're really worth, like, it's really worth being a fight to you. Right. Because they're going to fight you on it. They will. It's like practically a guarantee. Hardly is there ever a time where if you're giving them a demand, like just a task demand or something like that, that they won't make something into it, or at least like give you some kind of attitude, mm-hmm. which, you know, if that's one of your hot buttons <laughs> yeah, and, and your, and your child knows that or your stepchild knows that. It's like, oh, here I am with the attitude. Boop, boop, boop. Going to dial it up to 20. Yeah. And then it just turns into this whole ridiculous situation. All right, fine. The shoes are there, whatever. And then you can give the demand and be like, hey, put your shoes in the... And never ask. Don't give them a choice. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is I know a lot of times if I say something to my son or even the stepkids, if I would say, hey, can you help me with this for a minute? Exactly. You just gave them the option to say no. But their response was more to help me than if I told mm-hmm. them to just do it. Yeah. Well, and that's when you get to that point with more of like a neurotypical kind of kid where mm-hmm. they understand, can you help me? You know, like you or I would, where I'm asking you to help me because I'm being polite about it. Right. But the expectation is that you will help me. <laughs> right. And like, then therefore they know the expectation is. Anytime with my um, stepkid asking him, can you help take the groceries, for example, for that, for him? You just gave him a choice to say no. Right. So then it's no. Okay, let me rephrase. And I still do this even at work sometimes. So I'm not perfect. But <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll literally just say, let me rephrase that. Go get the groceries from the car. And then when you come back in, you can go play or you can do whatever. Right. But go get the groceries from the car. Mm-hmm. Not mean, but just level. Mm-hmm. This is the tone that I'm using when I mean it. I want you to do this. It's not a choice. And it's direct and to the point. Yep. There's no room for guessing games. There's no room for negotiation. It's do the thing. And then you can have, you can move on with the rest of your day. I don't care what you do. Go do it. Right. <laughs> and then they might pout and they might stop. This, yep. Mm-hmm. I will reissue the demand now. Go do it. <laughs> and it's just, it, re- it requires a lot of measurement, you know? Yeah. But a child with ODD, they're going to have that, quote, quote, disrespectful response to the step parent, as well as the bio parent, as well as the grandparent or even the neighbor. Yeah, the neighbors, the teachers. I mean, in my stepkids, it's the cops right now. So (laughs) and that's I mean, it's I, I only laugh because if I didn't, it would be like too. It's just it's super heavy. Yes. I, you know, I have to laugh. It's the thing of like, we laugh, so we don't cry. Yes. Kind of thing. Laughter is the best medicine. <laughs> right. It's really hard to watch. 
especially when you're the step parent, because technically, I mean, we're a little bit more than objective observers. We do have some skin in the game in that we want our partner's children to turn out well and do well for themselves. Mm-hmm. And when we see this, all this happening, you're like, oh my God, this is going to turn out so bad in life. And sometimes you get lucky and it doesn't. But I mean, I saw this coming. Yeah. For, I, I'm actually surprised he made it to 21 without getting arrested. <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't just start happening as a teenager. And I think that his mom probably covered up a lot. She did have a tendency to sort of cover up for him. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was a big time enabler. But he is also, you know, she was the custodial parent. Right. And a lot of times with ODD, it's rough, man. And this is just with any parent who has a kid who just giving into them is it's just in the moment the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Because you just want the conflict to stop. You just want it to stop already. Right. And it doesn't matter. Like everyone's got their things. I have a client who I'm seeing later today where and he has autism, ADHD. He is not defiant, but like his screaming is so it drives her so crazy that a lot of times she will just cave in and she admits that. Mm-hmm. Just I just need it to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the moment it's going to stop, but then he's going to keep doing it because we're not playing the long game here. We're playing the short game, and unfortunately, with a lot of interventions, with any type of thing like this, especially ODD, it's just <laughs> playing the longest game you ever played mm-hmm. <laughs> because nothing. There's no magic bullet. Sometimes you have to find a combination of interventions. Sometimes that can take forever. It's very frustrating. Every day is explosive in the house and there's so much conflict and everyone's stressed out. And it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. I, I understand that whatever you need to do in the moment seems like the right thing or the right approach. And I know for her as the bio mom and as the custodial parent for her, and you know, she only parents only do what they know. Mm-hmm. I can't remember correctly if both of them had medical rights. I think they did, but it was sort of the thing of she really, I think just wanted it to wanted it to like stop. So he wound up just completely running her house. And I, I don't even know. I don't know that we'll ever know how bad it got there mm-hmm. because I mean, there was one incident where my husband was dropping off at her house. She lives with her mom, her mom. Um, I think she has visual impairment. So she helps her out. And this kid, who I think was maybe 15 or 16 at the time, she, grandma said something to him and he like grabbed a knife and brandished it at her in front of my husband, who, by the way, he didn't totally let it go by. We had sometimes rules at our house, meaning that he sometimes had rules and he sometimes enforced them, (laughs) Uh (laughs) which is not the thing to do, but we all know that. Uh (laughs) So that's one reason. Another I had to step back and be like, all right, whatever. I can't be the only rule enforcer in this house with two kids. Because remember, there's a second stepchild involved in this too. Right. Who does not have ODD, but who is very much the victim in a lot of situations. He was bullied big time by his brother. And feel bad for him, of course. But I can't, like something like that would have, brandishing a knife, that would never fly at our house. No. Regardless. Like that would have been something that my husband would have absolutely done something about. I wouldn't have even had to look at him twice. He'd have been got it. Right. You're done. Get out of here. You, you need to exit this room now. Mm-hmm. And don't you ever do that again. Right. <laughs> he would have done something about it. So I just don't know if maybe bio mom was so bullied by him that she kind of, I think she thought maybe to, it might've gotten to the point where some kind of intervention would have been almost dangerous mm-hmm. because when you get to like the tippy top of ODB, 
it can get into the conduct of murder, which is definitely more serious because now we're talking about committing crimes, being violent. This is stuff that people go to juvie for, mm-hmm. or, you know, in my stepchild's case, real person jail, but <laughs> <laughs> like real jail when you're like robbing things and, and you try to steal a police car to get away. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> so smart. Uh, when you're high on that. Um, yeah. So it, I, I don't know that we'll ever really know what went on over there, but left untreated, it can definitely get worse. There's no, it'll, he'll just magically get better or he'll outgrow it. That almost never happens. Right. So buckle, buckle up. <laughs> yeah. Buckle up. Step parent. I mean, for me, what I had to do just as a step parent, it was really frustrating for me because what do I do for a living? I can't yeah. treat him, but I can, I can help you and I can back you up. I can, I was willing to back up anyone who was willing to get him help. I would have gone to bio mom's house and then does she need to listen to your mom? You know, or don't look at me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to get you out of this. What did your dad say? Right. And to have it go completely, almost completely untreated in my presence was really, really difficult. Yeah. But I, I came to have to realize that no, if, if the stakeholders, meaning like the guardians, whoever's legal guardian of the child is, it might not be the bio parents. It might be the grandparents. It might be auntie and uncle. It could be the system. Who knows? But whoever's the legal guardian of the child, like if they're not willing to do the treatment and invest in it, it's not worth going. It's not even worth worrying about it. You just, you feel bad for a little while and then you move on. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's out of your control. Exactly. It had to be more difficult for you being in the field you're in versus <laughs> yeah. if it was somebody like me not in that field and David's not taking them to get treatment, then I'm like, well, right. you know, his choice. And because right. I wouldn't be as educated on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can see you sitting there going, oh my God, you've got to do something. Yeah. That was pretty much me, the vast majority. Well, let's see, he was diagnosed at eight and he did leave he did leave home at 18. He actually stopped coming to our house when he was 14 because finally, and this is crazy. I mean, you know, it's what every parent fears and why a lot of times they don't discipline, like just mm-hmm. overall, not necessarily with oppositional defiant disorder only, but I know we've always talked about here that some parents have where like they'll lower the boom and they'll implement rules and discipline and consequences and the children might not want to come back. Right. And that, that is what happened. There was one, it was the day after Thanksgiving when he was, let's see, stepkid was 14. He was 14 at the time. And I, I'm also pretty convinced that bio mom has a few things that have not been diagnosed as well. Mm-hmm. She's quite, we actually get along. We don't hate each other. We have a decent relationship. We're not friends. Right. But we get along. When we're together, we actually get along. Probably because I put up serious boundaries with her. Mm-hmm. So she knows exactly. I think she appreciates that she knows exactly what she's going to get from me which people do anyways, but because boundaries show people that you care about yourself and them. Right. But um, she didn't want to come pick him up from our house because it was our year for Thanksgiving. And so he like demanded to my husband that he take them to the mall to meet up with bio mom so they could do a Black Friday shopping. Mm-hmm. And that just doesn't fly in my house. <laughs> Not going anywhere near a mall on Black Friday was a hill that my husband was was willing to die on. And I agree. Because <laughs> uh-huh. it's insane, right? It's crazy. She's like, I'm not going anywhere near the mall. I'm not. No, your mom, if your mom wants to go take you to Black Friday shopping, like she can come and get you mm-hmm. for sure. And 
she's not going to do it. You need to do it. No, no, no. And there was just yelling. My husband is a big time yeller, big time, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm no, it's like you say, knowing what I knew about ODD, I was like, oh my God, you're just making it work. Yeah. But I just sat there. Oh God, you're just, this is exactly what he wants. He wants to have control over your emotional responses and you're giving it to him. Mm-hmm. But I just sat there very measured. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just going to let this play out. I almost had to play an audience member in my own home sometimes, just detach myself from the emotions a little bit. Mm -hmm. I just watched it like it was a soap opera I was very invested in, (laughs) but could turn off at the end of the weekend. Right. So like it turned into this huge fight. And finally, my husband was, you know what? We have rules in this house. And I kind of laughed under my breath a little bit because not really. (laughs) But if you can't, if you can't at least follow the rules, be a decent person, you can't come back here until you do until you're ready. And I know exactly what he was going with, like going for with that, which is that he was hoping that his kid would be, like, oh no, I need to get it together and continue to go to dad's house. Right. But it actually was the exact opposite. <laughs> and so since he loves lying and he loves manipulating people and with that lack of accountability aspect that we talked about earlier, he went and told everyone who would listen that his dad abandoned him. He told them that he wasn't welcome in our house anymore, leaving out the part where my husband said, unless you can follow the rules, mm-hmm. which would have made it his choice. But he left that part out because it was not convenient and it didn't fit his narrative. Right. And so I felt really bad for my husband, but that's what happened. Like he, he hasn't spent a night here since he was 14 and he's 22 now. So well, almost 22, he'll be 22 in a couple months. But, and he went out and what did end up happening was the bio mom did come get him. She ended up coming to get them because she knew that she wasn't going to get her way. And then there was a whole bunch of conflict there and it was just a mess and there were doors being slammed and there was cussing and name calling and it was just ridiculous. I just stood there with my mouth open the whole time. Like, okay, this is it. What's going on? Gotta love family holidays. (laughs) Yep. That's why the holidays are the worst to me. (laughs) Plus then he knew, he knew exactly who he could tell and who would believe him. Right. So the result of that, the long-term result has been, he went and told my in-laws, oh, dad is so bad to me. They already had been enabling him a lot because they've never, my husband and his ex-wife was the first divorce Mm -hmm. happened. And so they thought, oh, these kids. And yeah, I mean, divorce is very tough for kids, even when it happens at a young age. But they just used it and excused it. They excused his behavior. They told him there was nothing wrong with him, that it was everybody else. Everyone was after him and just really like perpetuated that whole no accountability thing. Mm -hmm. So now we have strained relationships with my in-laws as a result of him going off and telling them, dad put me out, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, your dad's so mean. And he's the worst. So he didn't come back after being 14 years old. No. Nope. He came back for like maybe a day here, 10 minutes there. He should have drunk one night looking for money. That's pretty much how it wound up. And now, ironically, because he's behind bars, he's talked to my husband more in the last two months than he did in the previous two years where we didn't even know where he was some of the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was a good two year period where like nobody knew where he was. Right. Like he ran out, bio mom finally put her foot down about something and meant it at the age of 17 and a half years old, <laughs> too late. Yeah. And he ran out at 18 and called her the C word and said that she ruined his life and that he and his then boyfriend had gotten married behind everyone's back and boom, gone for like two years. Wow. So, yeah. When he decided not to come back, did your husband beat himself up? about Um, setting those boundaries? No, I mean, I think maybe he did a little bit at first, 
But here's where the step parent support piece can come in Mm -hmm. because knowing what I knew, A, about ODD and B, just about boundaries in general. If you don't set those boundaries, you're just going to set yourself on fire to keep everybody else warm Mm -hmm. and it's going to make you miserable. So I think he deep down knew that that was the right thing to do, like giving him that boundary. And I kind of wish that it would have happened a little earlier because... If it had been an established pattern of this is how you're going to act and this is how you're not going to act. And there was a lot of inconsistency there. Mm-hmm. He probably would have still come over, but we can all say what could have been. Right. That's all alternate universe land. He did a little bit, but I really tried to be like, you know what? If you had let him do whatever he wanted, what would have been the result? Right. And he was, oh, the same. It would have been the same, same thing. Same thing every day. It would have been more conflict. It probably would have gotten worse. He had to kind of talk himself through. I mean, it's so hard him yeah. to this day. His kid is in jail and he he does occasionally say things. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And the thing that he wishes he would have done almost always, I wish I would have just been, I wish I would have consistently disciplined him when he was at our house from a young age. Mm-hmm. All I can do is just nod my head and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it yeah, but what happened happened, and and you know we're here now. This is presently what's going on. You can't change the past, but you can change how you interact with him from now on. And however he chooses to interpret that, or what he chooses to do with your boundaries, is up to him. But you're protecting yourself at this stage in the game. Mm-hmm. He's an adult. You know, you're not obligated to bail him out. In fact, you probably shouldn't. Right, and that's what I was going to ask. Is he able to be bailed out? Um, he has. <laughs> Literally bailed out. Yes, actually, he does have a bond. He is eligible for bond, but the bond is very high. Okay. So no one's going to pay it. The second time he got arrested, the bond was actually really low. It was only $500 or something. We have it. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have that money, but my husband goes, nope. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to, because by this time we've already gone through him being MIA for two years. And my husband had really figured out just what I'm saying. If you just step back and let chips fall where they may, he got it eventually that his kid only came around when he wanted something, mm-hmm. when he wanted money or when he wanted a car. I mean, he never did get the car, but right. you know, we keep separate bank accounts because then, nope, you can go ahead and spend whatever money you want on your child bailing him out, thinking that you're going to buy his respect but it's not going to happen. I know that. So that's why I keep my bank account separate. And I don't say that out loud. I just say that in my head. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do not say that out loud. But when he says things like, you know, he only comes around when he wants something anyways. "Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you just might be right, honey. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can say, it's got to hurt that you feel that way. Yeah. Or just, yeah, I'm sorry. Things turned out this way. Yeah. It's not cool. Mm-hmm. It's really not cool. And it, nobody goes into, you know, when you have this little baby and they come out and they're so cute and, oh, look at that with their big eyes and their little chunky cheeks and legs. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever thinks, oh, in 22 years, this adorable baby is going to end up in jail. Right. <laughs> For burglarizing a construction site, stealing multiple vehicles. Including a cop car. Including a cop car, okay? <laughs> and that they're going to make all these horrible choices. Oh, oh my God, your life is over before it even begins. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is such a thing as rehabilitation, but his brain just doesn't work that way. It doesn't process that he's in charge of his own life. It processes everything bad that happens to me is the result of other people or other circumstances and not me. And nothing I do is the problem. It's everybody else's problem. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody, everybody else is the world. yeah the whole world has a problem with you i guess but that's what that's how it works and my husband does still kind of hold out hope that he'll get it eventually not without some serious intervention at this point and he has to actually want it 
that's the other thing. He won't get that intervention being in jail. No. And he, if he's even offered it as an adult, I mean, and with anybody, if you get an intervention, you have to actually want to participate in that Mm -hmm. process in order for it to work. And I don't think that he would participate. I mean, it could be that in the future, he finally says, you know what? I can't really do this. I'm going to have to do something. Mm -hmm. But if people keep bailing him out and if people keep excusing his behavior, like my in-laws still do to this day, which is why I nacho them too. Mm -hmm. He's just always going to have that. If he gets that constant feedback of it's not your fault, there's nothing. The problem isn't you, it's the world. Right. Or you poor baby. If your mama would have did this, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And he'll definitely slander. I think I'm the only person he doesn't trash talk to anyone who will listen. Because you nachoed. Exactly. Because he knows. He knows factually that what he does has no effect on my day. He cannot phase me. Mm-hmm. He just, he's tried. He tried a lot as a kid. I'm, nope, I'm just going to walk away. I'm not putting up with it. And he knows it. Mm-hmm. He has said so before. <laughs> as an adult, he left a message for my husband one night. I think he was probably maybe drunk and high. But he, it was really late at night. That's why I think that. And he still has substance abuse issues. But Which I'm sure does not help the ODD. No, no. Um, and in fact, sometimes it can lead to substance. It's, it's not unheard of that you'll grow up and have some substance issues mm-hmm. with ODD. And, uh, you know, he's like, you know, you and Becca, um, you're the only ones who didn't put up with me and, and my stupid crap. I'll put in crap. It wasn't crap what he said, but uh-huh. <laughs> put that in here for the public podcast. And he does acknowledge, and he knows even on a subconscious level that I just, I'm whatever, I, I really don't. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's not going to affect my day. But if you do something to me or to mine, I will give you a consequence for it personally to me or mine. You're not going to get away with it, but I'm also not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to fight with you. Mm-hmm. My reactions are always, if it was, to me, I would walk away if he was trying to, he never really tried anything with my pet, luckily. I think because he probably knew that I would have gone like ballistic, but. Right. Because those are your babies. Oh, yes. And I'm happy to tell you, sidebar, last time I talked to you, I only had the two dogs and I was lamenting the fact that I couldn't get a cat because I didn't, I couldn't talk my husband into it. Uh-huh. Guess what happened? I got a cat. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I win. Yes. It was a few months after that. Awesome. Um, so if David wants to know, I now have one cat. <laughs> <laughs> or if he was cutting up at my family's house. My family, I learned from, I learned what I learned before I even learned it because my parents were very consistent with consequences and discipline and things like that. So I knew they were, they were going to be right on board. And I would tell him ahead of time, like, if he starts cutting up, walk away from him. Mm-hmm. Or like, if you, it's your house. If you want him out of there for a few minutes, take him out of your house for a few minutes. Yeah, just don't engage. Right. Let him go sit on the lawn. Mm-hmm. Whatever. He'll be safe. It's fine. Right. My husband will keep an eye on him. It's cool. Just don't engage because that's what he wants. That's what's going to feed that fire. Mm-hmm. And so just don't do it. Don't put up with it, but don't don't feed into it either. To be honest, he almost never. My parents' house was the one place. It was almost a guarantee he was going to be just fine. Because mm-hmm. he knew better. Exactly. I think there was one time I looked at him and I was, well, I learned it from someone. Who mm-hmm. do you think those people were? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was just getting into the nacho mindset of don't interact, don't engage. And- when you were talking about the biological, genetic, and, and environmental influences, 
Mm-hmm. You brought up inconsistent parenting. Yes. So, you know, it being the whole step family coach thing, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I wonder if there is an increase of ODD since there's an increase of divorced families, which means there's an increase of guilty parent syndrome. There's an increase of lack of consistency and discipline. Yes. And I would almost bet, I mean, I don't have any research to back it up. So this is just my personal opinion. Mm -hmm. But I mean, considering ODD really hasn't been around as a diagnosis for very long, and it's probably been around about as long as it's been that divorces started kind of being the norm and not the exception, Mm -hmm. minimum, it might be correlational. It might not be causal, but... I wouldn't be surprised if there was a pretty high correlation. Well, Rebecca, it has been great having you as a guest on our podcast. And I'm always happy. Always happy to talk to you. (laughs) Yeah. And I really appreciate you enlightening us on ODD and what it is. And that, like you said, you can still live with your husband if your stepkid has ODD. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just step as far back as you possibly can to keep yourself safe mm-hmm. mentally and physically because it can get physical sometimes. Luckily, mine never did with me, but like I said, he brandished a knife. So just hang in there. And also that helps them see it's the whole, you know, if um, if they don't have the filter of you in the way, they have to see it for themselves and then they're just way more likely to do something about it. Right. Well, thank you again and you have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. Bye. David, I guess you better do this part because I'm still not showing you. <laughs> All right, folks. Thanks for listening to today's show. (laughs) I can't let you just do that. That's rude. All right. Then let's talk about um, what you learned with your ODD um, interview. That it is a disorder and the child can't really help it. And we have to remember that. It's no different than if you had an allergy to pecans. Or if you were born with some kind of eye issue. Yeah, that would be challenging. Because that's one of those things I can see where everybody's like, just tear their tail up. (laughs) Yeah, like they used to do your kids. (laughs) What? That's what people would say if you just tear their tail up. That's what you used to say about people. Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not as simple as that the kids can control it. But I will add this. She makes a comment in the interview that stepkid really didn't act up at her mom's house or at her parents' house mm-hmm. because he knew they wouldn't tolerate it. Well, then hang on. If you can control it when you know the grandparents aren't going to tolerate it, hmm. So he's got SODD. Selective oppositional (laughs) defiance. I don't know. I'm so confused. I mean, I know it's a real thing. I just find it interesting that there are situations that they seem to be able to control it. And maybe maybe it's just that situation with being at the grandparent's house doesn't trigger him. Yeah. So maybe it's because of environmental factors. Right. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. If he's in a if a comfort area, so he's home, then it's more likely to happen. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out um, the answer to your question. 
You're doing a great job. I know. That's my behavioral therapist side coming out. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, let's do your podcast wrapper upper side. All right. Here we go. Because okay. I can't take no more of you today, David. <laughs> well, I won't do the wrapping, but I will do the wrap up. Oh, no, David. Wrap for us. No, I can't wrap do Wrap for us, David. <laughs> can't do it. Yeah, I'm going to get him rapping one day. I'm going to have to do a video of him and his friend, Johnny Blocker. That's 80s rap. It don't matter. I know, but that's not freestyle. <laughs> I don't know the difference. Okay. All right, folks, that's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to join us again next week for another exciting episode. And remember, for Nacho Mama and myself, that life is good. When you Nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.